Hey guys, welcome back to the Daniel Generation. This is the Daniel Den podcast. With me, I have a special guest, JJ, and he. We will be talking about ministry and young people in ministry. I think it's like an important subject to kind of like, you know, get more people interested in the idea and maybe get a better understanding. Um, so JJ, tell the people about yourself. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for the pleasure to be on. Um, so my name is JJ, as Daniel said, I'm 21. I'm a youth leader at my church, so Kingdom Seekers Youth Fellowship. Um, I'm also the CEO or founder of my Christian clothing line, 21st Century Disciple. Um, just a regular guy who just loves Jesus, who just um, just trying to do what I can for the kingdom of God. So yeah, I'm really interested to talk about this topic. I feel it's something that our generation definitely needs, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So, how? Let's start from like the beginning. How did you give your life to Christ? Oh, see, every time I get that question, like my journey is not very straightforward. You know, it's not. It's been all over the place. Um, I grew up. I wouldn't say in a Christian household, but I grew up knowing about God. So my parents, obviously, I would say when you're African or particularly Nigerian, you're either a Christian or Muslim by default. You're just born into one of those, and I was born into a quote-unquote Christian household. So. My parents obviously took me to church every Sunday, and that was just the norm to me. I was just, I just grew up believing that there was a God. Never asked any questions, never doubted it. Just that was just it. So naturally, I didn't really care. It was just kind of going with the motion, going with the motion. Um. So when I got to an age where I could make my own decision not to go to church, you know, I, I didn't. Um. Growing up in my life, I kind of grew up with certain morals and standards that my parents taught me. So I knew what was right from wrong. Like that was never like a, a thing for me. But it was a thing where, kind of growing up, especially into secondary school, I was, I'm the only child, so I kind of grew up um, alone, so I didn't really have many friends. But growing up in secondary school and seeing you know, all the boys and seeing what they're doing is, there was a need for a kind of acceptance in me. So what I started doing was like, I would do whatever the guys were doing. So I started chasing after girls, started, you know, going out with the boys, started, you know, forgetting those moral standards that I grew up with just because I wanted to feel accepted. But I got to a place where I realized it always let me feel empty. No matter what I did, it was just like, okay, now what? And there was just always something there missing. And what really was a turning point for me, I remember, I think I was about 16, 17 at this point, life was just not going how I planned. You know, I had my own plans of what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, and just life wasn't going that way. And I remember one day, I was actually just at home myself. It was actually me and my dog, just cleaning the house and kind of just sat down on the stairs. Now, for, for a 16-year-old to be thinking like this, I was just saying to myself, like, life just isn't going right. And I remember this, I can say this was the first time that I heard God speak to me. I remember God just saying to me, for so long you try to lead yourself, how about you let me lead you instead? And from that moment, I just kind of realized, you know what, I can't do this on my own. Clearly, the decisions that I make, it ain't leading me down the right path. I would say that's where my journey with Christ um, started, however... Um, I wouldn't say I fully let go of, me, of my desires. Um, at that point, I knew there was a God. I knew that he was real. I knew that he wanted to have a relationship with me. But I was still very reluctant to let go of just the sins and the things that I was doing. So I was kind of half in, half out, where I wanted to know God. I wanted to be, do the right things. But at the same time, there was still this constant pull from the world. And that kind of went on for a good two years, three, three years, where it was like that cycle of, I want to know God, but the world's still pulling me. I want to know God, but the world's still pulling me. Up to the point where I remember 
uh, I believe it was like 2017, 2018, I think. I got to a point where I just got into college. And at this time, I was like, you know what, God, I really want to know you. I really want to experience you, but I can't do it on my own. And I kind of just remember, I just kind of started praying, listen, God, I need Christian friends. I need people around me who are going to help me on this journey because, like I said, I was very much alone at this point. I didn't really have many friends or many people I could talk to about God or anything like that. So just kind of prayed, God, send me a Christian friend, send me a mentor. I was very specific, God, I want a mentor, someone who can teach me and help me. Fast forward about a month later, I'm just walking down the street, walking down O'Connor Street, and then these um, guys are there evangelizing. And this guy stops me, gives me a flyer, and we just start having a conversation, and instantly there's like a little connection, like, wow, a lot of stuff he's saying is I've, I've been through it. Long story short, end up coming to church, and from that moment, I was like, you know what, this is it. And I made a decision from there, I was going to completely surrender my life to Jesus. And I was like 18 years at this point, I was going to completely surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And from there, I would say my journey really, really began with Christ. Um, obviously, I'm not going to come here and lie and be like, oh, it's been perfect all the way through. I've definitely had my, uh, my failures. I've definitely had my ups and my downs. But I've been, you know, fighting the good fight to the best that I can. And, you know, I've been trying to serve. And, yeah, that's my story. It's not very straightforward. It's I feel like God, God took his time. God took his time on me. But we're here. Yeah. But I think it's also very realistic, right? Um, yeah. You'd you, you have to be living in a fantasy world to believe that, okay, the first time you give your life to Christ, you take him 100% seriously and you stop yeah. sinning. It, it is more of a, you know, battle and it's a constant battle because we are actually at war against our own flesh. And exactly. though we want to do good, you know, our body also, you know, pushes us towards doing bad. So it's a constant give and take of, okay, God, I want to know you, but I also want to be in the world. Like, I, you know, yeah. like who said it in the Bible? I think it was a Paul that, you know, the things that, that the, the, yeah, the good things that I want to do, I, I won't do it or I can't do it, but the things I don't want to do is what I find myself doing. Exactly. So it is a battle. It is, it is like a back and forth thing that we need to, like, be aware of and so if you're if you're pushing yourself towards oh i want to know god more understand that yes you will still be tempted by the things of the world to be in the world still so it's not you failing at it it's you realizing that there is a battle exactly and i feel like now that i've been saved now that i'm looking back at it i i always make the statement the best thing that god ever did for me was not come back until i got saved because I feel like now it makes me appreciate his grace a lot more because while I was still struggling to give myself to him, like God was grafting for my soul. Like God was constantly working so hard behind the scenes to make sure everything aligns to me coming to him and he preserved me. Like there was so many times that I, I should have died or I should have just like just gone completely off the track. But God was always there like, you know, what? one day I'm going to get you, one day I'm going to get you and I'm so happy that he did. So like you said, it is definitely a journey. I feel like sometimes people always want a story where it's like, oh, I was close to death and I met Christ and then ever since then my life has been completely different. Yes, there are those stories and you know, God bless those people. But for someone like me, I grew up believing there was a God. However, it was just a struggle for me to surrender to that God, you know, until I got to a place where it was almost like I've tried everything else. Nothing seems to be working. You know, oh God, I just give it to you. Yeah, I, I get that. And the whole idea of God, you know, grasping for our attention, grasping for our salvation, 
that 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 triggered something because he is so patient with us. He's mm-hmm. taught us something for us, especially us that grew up in the church, right? We know better. We exactly. we could we could live a life like Jesus where we don't sin because of what we know. But it never turns out that way. We always fall. We st- we fall. We stumble. We fall into temptations. We do the wrong, even though we know what's right. And so, God has a lot of patience with us specifically, like those who know better. He He still has a lot of patience. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, "Dude, I've taught you this over and over and over again, and you've you've misbehaved and you've you've you know broken my commandments over and over again. I'm done with you." He never says that. He never says, "I'm done yeah. with you." He's always like, "All right." Here's another chance. Let's let's get back to where we were and let's keep moving forward. Because it's better that you fall seven times and get up seven times than for you to fall yeah. once and stay down. Exactly. Like the Bible says like it's the will of God that no man should perish. Like God it's God's desire that one day everyone will come to a place of repentance and salvation. So it's like I feel for me, from my story, now that I'm saved and I've been saved, I appreciate his grace a lot more because I realize like, I was a very stubborn, you know, I was very stubborn. Like, I had many chances to complete surrender to him, but I, I kept pushing it off. And it was only for his grace that he was able to be like, you know what, like you said, I'm just, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance until until there's no more chances left. So I do definitely appreciate his grace for being patient. Yeah. And for sure, there is no redemption in the grave, right? You have as many exactly. chances as you have breaths in this life. Mm. So as long as you're breathing, you have an opportunity to repent and turn back to God. But as soon as you take your last breath, you you don't have any more chances, right? So how you live right now is what's going to determine your future and where you'll spend eternity. And so before we move any further than that, I'll I'll share my story and then we'll kind of get into the the next subject matter. So... I, you know, I, I found myself in the same situation as you, where I kind of I grew up in church. I grew up with Nigerian parents, so you know, church was a huge part of our our life. Um, and then, like when I was about four or five years old, no, f- between four and seven, my dad became a pastor. So my, you know, it that kind of sped up that. So we weren't just nominal Christians anymore. We were like, mm-hmm. okay, you're in a seat of importance. People are always looking at you. People are going to look at the children of pastors because they'll in- indicate. You know what's going on in their household are they just a pastor in front or are they truly truly who they say they are at home and so you, you kind of you look at the children to to know engage that so you know i grew up knowing this so i wasn't oblivious to this i knew about this and so i had to you know portray myself in a way that showed off that my my dad was a pastor my dad was a good dad and so on so, like, there's things that other people were doing I couldn't do and get away with, right? They could do it and get away. Even if we're going to the same church, they could do it and get away with it. I couldn't do it. You know, my mom had me dressed up in suits every day. At like, And I was a kid. I, just, I didn't want to wear a suit. I want to run around and play with the other kids. But, no, I was wearing a suit. I, I had to be sort of like, like a president's kid. Like, you, you don't have the same kind of interactions with other kids. People don't want to... Have, on you. Yeah, people don't want to interact with you. People don't want to play with you because they feel like oh, you're just going to tell your parents and then that's going to get back to my parents and then we're all in trouble, right? And not not realizing that I'm a kid too. I want to play. I want to have friends and so on. So my my circle of friends was mostly other pastors' children. And, you know, we would see each other at loads of events that were forced to come, come along and attend. So 
and you you kind of share that circle with other you know pastor children and they have your experiences they understand what you're going through and so it was easy to build that connection which was good because if not there's there is the tendency to kind of spiral out of control and like be 100% rebellious because you don't like the situation that you find yourself because you didn't ask to be put in that situation but you know that was kind of like a tangent to the story um you know, my, my parents were pastors. I grew up in the church, so I knew the word of God. I knew scripture a lot. You know, it was drilled into me. Like, uh, I knew it more than any of my school books or anything I'd learned in school. Like, I knew scripture foremost, and everything else was kind of secondary. And my dad was a pastor, so I, like, I aspired to be like him. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor because my dad's a pastor. And that's kind of what shaped my mindset through my teenage years. And so... Yes, I, I remember you talked about the secondary school aspect of your life where it's like, it's very easy to fall into temptation. It's very easy to kind of just yeah. fall in off the way. And that, you know, sort of happened for me, not to any extreme. Uh, like I didn't, you know, pick up any terrible addictions or anything like that. But I still, you know, I, I know where I made compromises, where I definitely should not have made compromises. So, yeah. uh, it, you know... But I still, I bounced back. I, I maintained focus on ministry. And then when it came time to go to college, you know, it's like, I want to serve God, but I know I need a degree to do work, right? I have to work. I have to eat. I have to have, I want to support a family eventually. And ministry just doesn't pay like that, right? At least, you know, for the majority of us, it's not just, it's not something that we pursue as a work. We pursue it for the sake of the kingdom. So yeah. that, that was going through my mind. And, you know, I'll pause there and we'll kind of discuss that because, you know, being a person in ministry, you kind of have to have time for both work and the ministry, right? Yeah, definitely. So how have you balanced that? Um, honestly, I would say obviously not with the grace of God. Um, but I'd also say for me, I feel I'm very fortunate that I have very good godly examples around me. Um, for example, like my pastor, my disciple, and just like my group of christian friends like i see my church is like my that's my my second home and just looking at examples of people of how they're so disciplined and so organized for me i know the kind of person i am naturally and i feel like god has placed certain people in my life for me to learn from the person that i am now and i'm becoming i feel like i'm a product of the people that i'm around so in terms of like balancing ministry and life to me, I would just say is I have the godly examples in front of me who I can, who I can see, you know, firsthand and I can watch how they handle their life. And for example, like my disciple, his name is Deji, right? He is the most organized and disciplined, disciplined person I've ever met in my life. This guy, he's married, um, he's going to have a kid soon and he's serving and he has a job. And with him, and he has a business that he runs, but with him, it's like there's a time for everything. So he knows, okay, this is my time for this. I wake up early in the morning because I know I need to spend time with God. I have to, you know, spend time with my wife. I have to do this. So she has a very organized schedule. And that's something that I've had to learn to adapt for myself is, okay, using my time wisely. I used to be that kind of person that used to waste hours on social media. That was part of the reason why I actually got off social media completely. It's just so I can learn to use my time more wisely. So another thing for me, um, I would say is always prioritize my time with God. And that's something that I've had to learn firsthand. Um, I got to a place where I've, I caught myself where I was so focused on serving other people and, you know, studying just to preach this or giving other people advice that I kind of neglected my own personal walk with God. I kind of neglected feeding myself. 
And one thing I've realized is I can't give to people what I don't have inside of me. So I need to be able to balance that my own time with God versus, you know, obviously serving other people. So I think it's crucial to make spending time with God yourself a priority as well as that being very organized and disciplined with your time and just knowing, okay, this is what needs to get done. And yeah, for me, I feel like I'm just fortunate to have those people around me, but definitely also the grace of God. Because um, one thing I've realized with ministry is it's not me, it's God. So I need to just constantly lean on to him and make that the number one priority. Yeah, that's great. So discipline definitely is what I can kind of grasp from that on how you balance it up. But were you never, were you ever afraid that, you know, how do you prioritize certain things in your life? For example, like when you were at the crossroad, you're, you know, you're in college and you're saying, God, I want to dedicate my life to you. But there are bills, there are things I need to do. There's, you know, food I need to eat. So I need to provide for myself first, first and foremost, before I can even help anybody else. Right. Yeah. I'd say for me, it's like, I never really thought of it that way. Like just the way how I approach life is just, um, Okay, it's like in terms of, like I use my situation, right? So I'm working full-time, I'm doing my college part-time, and obviously I'm still serving in church. Yeah. For me, it's just like, it's a sacrifice. You kind of just have to sacrifice your time. You know, like if, if, like right now, I remember I was actually having this conversation with my friend not too long ago. I was talking about how sometimes I feel very burnt out because I feel like I have so much on my plate to do. But you have to realize, like, my strength comes from the Lord, not from myself. And I think it just comes down to organization of, like, knowing, okay, every minute counts, you know? Like, this is my time to do this. This is my time to do that. This is my time to do this. And I feel like we live in a generation where we get distracted very easily. And I think it's all about just what are you focusing on and just, like, what is the priority? And you can be sp- – a lot of times we always say, I don't have enough time. And I used to be that person who used to say, oh, I don't have no time. Oh, I don't have no time. But I realized I'm spending like an hour just scrolling through my Instagram feed, doing absolutely nothing. I'm spending like two hours just chilling here, doing nothing. It was like, we do have no time, but it's about how do we use that time? Yeah. I think the Bible says, I'm like, you know, your life is number vapor. It's here one minute, gone the next. That's just to show you how quick time can go. You know, one minute you're doing something, the next minute you're gone. So it's how do I use my time? Is, and I feel like how do you use your time? is also a reflection of um, just how seriously are you taking it. You know, it's, okay, if I know that I need to get this done, I need to get this done, regardless of what else is going on, I need to get this done. So I feel like it all starts with your mindset, having a focused mindset and valuing time. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you 100%. Um, My issue was never really the time aspect of things. It was more... Like, when I, on the crossroads of college, I could have gone to university here in Ireland, but you know, the Holy Spirit told my dad to relocate to America, and so we all kind of moved with him. And mm-hmm. so when we moved, that option for college kind of just got heavily restricted to, like, I can't actually go to college. It was too expensive. Um, I didn't have the requirements because I was coming from the Irish system. And it was just a very ill-prepared trip for if I was going to attend college. You know, it was not going to happen that September because we moved in July. Uh and so it, I was at a crossroad, like, okay, God, what do I do? Because I know I need to, I need a degree to get a job, a decent job, and I still want to serve you. But like these are things that are important. And so over like over a few couple of years, it you know it was still still this struggle of 
about how do I get into college so I can get this degree, so I can get this job, so I can, you know, provide. And that was that back and forth struggle with me. But then God kind of sat me down and said, listen, do you want the world to teach you or do you want me to teach you? And so, you know, I said, God, I want you to teach me. And so he brought me, he, I got introduced to ministry. Like up until this point, it was church service, preaching, and all that, right? It, you know, the usual Sunday service, sometimes midweek service kind of thing. But then I got introduced to ministry and where we were going to the streets of D.C., to the, you know, torn down neighborhoods, the Section 8 housing, the, you know, the poorest areas. And we were yeah. doing a thing called Sidewalk Sunday School, where different days of the week we'd go to a different neighborhood. It was the same neighborhood you know, on Mondays, we'd go to the same neighborhood every Monday, same neighborhood every Tuesday, like different neighborhoods each day, but once a week we'd hit. Anyway, we we hit a lot of neighborhoods, right? And yeah. we would do these fun games, these stories. We would, we would, you know, give them food. We, we, we spent time with these kids and they, they were looking forward to being there, you know, at that at that sidewalk at that time of the day, they knew we were coming. We were like, and we were helping people. And then out of that ministry, they were also doing food and clothes ministry, and so so many different things. And they were purposefully putting themselves out there. They weren't waiting for people to come to them. They were going to the people, and that touched my heart. I did that for about six or seven weeks, eight weeks, I think. And they told me about a missions college, and you know. Uh, Different to a Bible college, like a missions college is specifically to train missionaries. And so I was like, all right, let me, I'll, I'll take it. It was like a full paid scholarship. I didn't have to pay anything. I just went down. It was like two or three states down below. So it was like an eight hour drive to get there. But I got there. I loved it immediately. I did that for about two years, um, just missionary college. And it was home missions. So it wasn't like sending you to Africa or anything. It was being a missionary in the country and the neighborhood that you were a part of and how to reach people and how to help people. And it's not just about preaching, but it's about genuinely taking time out of your day to spend time with them, to meet their needs, and then you can speak Christ into them. Then they'll listen. Then they'll actually hear what you have to say. Too, much, too many times it's like we call ministry just throwing the Bible at people giving them a, you know, a scripture in, in their hand, like a, a piece of paper with a verse in it, they're not going to read that. They're not going to, I mean, some do, but like majority of them, you find them in the trash. You find them, you know, in, in, as a book, as a book, um, what's it called? Like a placeholder in a book, a bookmark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you find it all different places, but they're not reading it. They're not getting the impact from it. But if you genuinely spent time with people and you met their needs, then you would then they would sit down and actually listen to what you have to say. So I was introduced to that and that took me over. That's like, oh God, I want more of this. This is how I want to help people. This is how I want to do ministry. This is how I want to impact people's lives. And that took me over with a whole new momentum. And so we fast forward a few years after I graduated from there, you know, I come back to Ireland and I'm just like, okay, where do I even start? Like where do I even start? I don't have a degree, don't have a job, and I don't have a way to access ministry here, right? And so, you know, I just, I start getting in contact with some old friends. I come down to Dublin and I see your group, your your youth um, sermon thing that you do at Bible study. 
Uh, and I see how you're on fire for God and you're preaching the gospel and and, and you know it resonated with my spirit because like I, I kind of had that feeling like Ezekiel's like God I'm, I'm so tired I feel like I'm the only one that that's my age that's on fire for God that's preaching the gospel right and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the only one out here trying to find solutions to these problems and so I feel like God that was just God's way of showing me that there are other people who are on fire for God that are trying to do the same thing and yeah. so you know it, it was it was great thing to see and I felt so more I was more inspired by that and God sorted me out by January I got a really good job at ESB as a software developer I'm still working mm-hmm. there now you know I'm just I'm you know working from home even through this time so many good things have happened to me this year but it, it, it took a lot it took a, it was a journey definitely and so I just I think, I think yeah. that's the thing Sorry to there, but I think that's the thing is um, when it comes to when you have so much to do one thing I've realized is God never forgets his people. Like God will never, when you want to serve God, he's never going to just leave you hanging, you know? Yeah. So that's why for me, the way I live, I tend not to worry about certain stuff because I've got to a place where I realize, okay, worrying about it ain't going to fix it. But I know when I trust God and when I'm doing what he wants me to do, he takes up the re- He takes care of the rest. Like myself too, I'm still working from home now, still employed while other people have lost their jobs. It's not because, oh, we're better than anybody else, but it's like when you are just, okay, you know, God, I'm just going to trust in you. He takes care of the rest. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Like, God wasn't joking when he said that. Like, if you generally put me first and you seek me first, I'm going to give you everything else. So it's no coincidence that things tend to work out once we make a decision for God. Yeah, for sure. And so the next kind of section that I, I kind of wanted to move into, um, what would you say to people to motivate them to do ministry? What, how would you describe what ministry is? I feel like for me is a lot of people have a a wrong idea of what ministry is in my opinion. I feel a lot of people think ministry is being a pastor or being a missionary or an evangelist or you know, that's ministry. But if you actually look at the word minister it just means servant. And to me ministry is serving. How are you serving people in the body of Christ? And a lot of people say, you know, I can't be I can't be in ministry because I don't know the Bible so well. I can't preach or I can't do this or I can't do that. Okay, that's cool, but what can you do? You know, we are Bible says we are one body but different parts. Not everyone is called to be the pastor. Not everyone is called to be the evangelist. Not everyone is called to do this, but you are called to do something. And um, I remember I was having this conversation just yesterday and we gave an example of you go to let's say you go to a concert, right? Let's say we use Beyonce for example, Beyonce concert. Beyonce, her job is to do the singing and the dancing, right? Yeah. But she needs people to set up the stage. She needs sound guys. She needs people for her hair and makeup. She needs people to make her dress. She needs people to print out the tickets that she's going to sell. Point being is, if you think about it, she has the easiest job to do, which is come and sing and dance. But she needs a whole team in order for the concert to go well. It's the same way in the body of Christ is the pastor, his job is to preach and to also to preach and to counsel people, to take care of people. But what role are you playing? Like, what are you doing? Are you... Are you serving people in a way of like the way you live your life? Are you hospitable hospitable to people? You know, are you an encourager to people? So I feel like for anyone who's saying, No, I want to serve, just think what what can you do? Ministry is to me, how I see it is a way of life. It's not so much a thing where it's like, oh, I have to go and learn how to teach and preach. No, it's what can you do for the kingdom of God? What role can you play to help God's people? Um so it could be the way of how you speak to people, how you treat people, 
when people look at you, are you serving people? Um, so to me, ministry is all about being a servant. Um, how can you demonstrate Christ through your life and through your gift and through your talents? Every single person I believe on this earth has something that God has given to you that you should use for his glory. Um, and I think a lot of people sometimes, the reason they don't tap into that is because they're so busy looking at somebody else. They might be looking at somebody on the platform and saying, oh, that's ministry. They're preaching. That's what it means to be a minister. And I can't do that. So I'm not going to be in ministry. But no, that's not true. That's just their way of being in ministry. That's what they've been called to do. But I feel it comes down to ask yourself, okay, what can I do? What has God given me to be able to help serve his people? So my encouragement just to anybody would be is firstly, Ask God, what does God want you to do? But also ask yourself is, what can you do? What are you able to do? And how are you able to serve? Because ministry at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about other people. It's about serving. Because if you just remember, the word minister means servant. At the end of the day, you are called to serve in some way. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And I think it's Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the body of Christ and the different parts of the yeah. body and there's just just so many different giftings that the that god gives people that people don't even realize is a gift from god you know we you know a, a very obvious one is singing right people or people who are musically inclined they can minister in ways that a preacher can never reach you know like when you just when you hear music and it just it brings you into the atmosphere of the holy spirit you you get pulled into it you can you get sucked into it it's kind of hard for some people to really feel that way just hearing listening to a sermon right it's, it's for a lot of people that's very dry that's very well i can't really pay attention for very long but music is just a really easy way for people to tap into the holy spirit other things like um being hospitable you, you mentioned that how how you take people into your homes you, you give them food to eat you give them something to drink you make them feel comfortable make them feel relaxed and you can listen to their problems. Some people just want someone to listen to, right? But there's yeah. too many people talking that you're not listening, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's so many mm-hmm. gift things. Yeah, continue. Even simply just saying to somebody, you know what, Jesus Christ loves you. That to me, that's ministry because you're serving that person. You don't know what that person's going through. That person could be having the worst day of their life. They could be on the verge of like, you know, having suicidal thoughts. But by you saying, listen, brother, sister, Jesus Christ loves you. By you picking up the phone and saying, listen, God is placing my heart. I just want to call you. I just want to talk to you. How are you doing? That's ministry because you're serving that person. You're making life easier for that person. You're you're bringing Christ and you're bringing light into that person's life. To me, that's what ministry is. I feel like when people understand that mindset, it makes it a bit easier because I feel a lot of times people think ministry is about us. It's okay. Um, I want to be on a platform so people can see me. But real ministry is, okay, no, I just want to serve this person. I want to make life easier for you. I want to show the love of Christ towards you. And when you have that mindset of a servant, it makes it easy. Like, look at Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus didn't come and say, okay, guys, come and bow before me and you know, tell me how great I am. He said, listen, I'm going to come and wash your feet. And I want you to do this to each other. He was teaching us what ministry is. He said, I'm here to serve you. When he fed the 5,000, notice how he didn't eat. He gave them to eat because he came to serve them. So ministry is all about how can I be a, how can I be a servant to this person? Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, the, the, I think we've kind of shattered the bubble of what a minister actually is, because I think growing up, it, it was kind of like, oh, it's a person that's going to preach when the pastor is not here. Like those are the extra people that can preach yeah. when the pastor is not here. But no, there are more f- ways that we can 
minister. There, you, exactly. you can change the word out to being a servant. How, there are more ways for you to serve, not just in the four walls of your church, but in your communities, in your neighborhoods, to your neighbors, to your friends, families. You know, you can be the point of contact that people say, I didn't get anything from church, but the way that this brother or this sister talks mm-hmm. to me, communicates with me, helps me, always asks what if I need anything, always looks out for me and prays for me and listens to my issues, that can be a way that draws them into Christ. Like people exactly. want, you know, someone who cares, right? Yeah. And Jesus was someone yeah. who cared. He cared for what people he cared for people and the issues that they were going through. He didn't just ignore them. Definitely. So what would what would you think what would you say is like the first step into getting into ministry, into getting into this lifestyle of serving? I would say the first thing is just having the heart for people. Like that's what I always have to pray for, like God because naturally, I'll be honest, I'm a very selfish person naturally. Um, I think just growing up as only child where I was just focused on myself. So I was never really much of a people's person. But um, for me, when I got saved and when I had a desire to serve, I had to pray, God, give me a heart for people because it's impossible for me to fake caring about someone, you know? So I had to pray that God, give me a genuine heart for people like Christ did. So I would say it's number one is just evaluate your heart and check check your motives also for ministry. Is it for you know, for your own glory, for people to praise you and tell you how amazing you are because the Bible says, you know, if you're serving for, you know, for people and if you're serving for the reward of people, then that's how you get your reward and here on earth. People say, well done and that's it. Yeah. So I think just, you know, check your heart and ask God to give you a, a heart to serve. For me, I think, this is something that I don't think is spoken about a lot. I feel discipleship is, is um, essential to for me personally and learning from believers learning from your pastors learning from disciples learning from the from people who i would say been there done that but people who who have gone through that process and who are you know been in the faith longer like i said before when i was open up with my testimony i believe the person that i am now is hugely you know is a hugely impacted by the people around me and the people who i've learned from so i think discipleship is key is find someone that you can learn from you know find someone that you can look at their life and you see what they do like okay how can i do that how can i get to that level um so yeah check your heart and pray for heart of um heart of servant um discipleship and also i would just say step outside the comfort zone i think um serving people and being in ministry is definitely something that doesn't come natural to people didn't come natural to me anyways um and sometimes you just step out your comfort zone just make a decision to be bold because a lot of times, the easy thing to do is to sit back and watch. Yeah. You know, but to actually get involved and be like, okay, what can I do? And I feel like a lot of people, you know, who, you might go to church and you can go to church for two, three years and that's it. You just go to church, but you're not part of the church. Like, you're not contributing anything to the life of your brothers and your sisters in Christ because you're just so comfortable receiving, receiving, receiving. I would say, step out the comfort zone and be like, you know what, what can I do? What can I play? I always think about it because I, I love football, right? So I always think about it as a football team, right? Um, if you're part of the team and you never play a match, you're just on the bench every single game and your team wins the trophy. To me, the kind of person I am, I wouldn't want to take part. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to contribute to this. I just sat back and watched while the people who actually played, they're taking the trophy, they're celebrating. So my mindset is, okay, how can I be involved? What can I do to you know, play a part in this? So yeah, those are three things for me would be 
just make sure you have a heart to know to serve pray for a heart to serve um be discipled learn from people who are in the faith you know and who can teach you and also step out of your comfort zone and actually get involved in something yeah i, I agree with you 100 percent. the servant heart i'll touch on that first that is so key because you have to recognize people as people and i mean seeing past their flaws and looking at them how jesus looks at them right um i think we've been taught a lot especially in the church to judge people by their appearance right yeah. are you the same color skin as me because if someone who's white comes into a nigerian church all eyes are on them like oh what are you doing here are you lost did you need someone yeah but like it shouldn't even be like this they should be as just as comfortable and just as welcomed as anybody else right it shouldn't be a surprise especially being in a white country that someone white goes into your church but that's not the discussion for today you know but you know, there's you can't just view them. If someone has tattoos, that's another. Ooh, okay, while wow, you have tattoos, are you even in the right place? You know, this isn't a yeah. club. Or uh, you know, if someone has an addiction, right, and they're coming to get help, but they are addicted, so it's something that they are struggling with. Are you helping them through that, or are you judging them for that? You know, yeah. so you you have to have you have to have the heart to say, I see your flaws. I have flaws too, but God loved me anyway, so I'm going to extend that love to you. Because that's the only way we can get rid of those flaws. That's the only way that we can enter into heaven. That's the only way that we can communicate with God is if we look past those issues and look at the heart and, and yeah. help people. So that the heart to help people is is a really big one because we can get so self-involved in, and just taking care of people within our circle that we yeah. forget that there are so many other people that need our help. So there's a wider circle. So, you know, people, God might be calling you to ministry, and, but only bring people that don't look like you. What would you do in that situation? You know, yeah, exactly. That's so true. And I like what you said about discipleship because the only way we're going to be equipped enough to even handle someone who's not like us, or even be able to do ministry in any shape or form, is if we learn. If we don't know what yeah. to do, we can actually mess up more things than you know do good. The, the heart might be there and the willingness to do good might be there, but if we don't know how to do it, we can mess things up. Yeah. I feel like even with that, I think discipleship is something that I've noticed in our generation that it's kind of, it's not spoken about that much and you know, a lot of people don't want to like talk about it. I feel like we've kind of been this idea where it's it's just me and God, just me and God, just me and God, me and God. But if you look at the Bible, it was never like that. Like Jesus would always tell the people, listen, follow me learn from me and when i'm gone i want you to teach other people and then they teach other people that's how the church is built it's built out of people learning from christ and then teaching and then teaching others and paul said follow me as i follow christ so if we look in the bible discipleship is something that it's biblical like it's been in the bible it's god has been about discipleship from day one and i think the problem with our generation sometimes when we don't you know submit ourselves to discipleship or take the time to be discipled is you have a lot of people who are putting themselves where God hasn't called them to be. You know, mm. a lot of people want to say, you know what, I want to do this because I feel like this is what I should do or I want to do this because I think I'm equipped to do this. But it's like, like you said, you can actually end up doing more harm than good because you decide to skip the process, you know? Like, you can't you can't cheat the process sometimes in the kingdom of God. That There is a process you have to go through. And sometimes like, you know what, now let me just jump to the front of the queue because, you know, I know how to, I know how to speak in tongues. I know how to teach. So let me just go and do it myself without being taught then there's no accountability there. You know, who are you accountable to? 
True, yeah. Check any leader in the Bible. Nine times out of ten, God put them through something, or they had to exactly. they had to live in an environment where they will pick up the necessary skills to be the leader or be the servant that God wants them to be. So it's it, there is always a process. God is very systematic in the way that he handles things and he does things. It might not look the same for two different people, but there is a process, there is a system that God has um, to prepare people for the work that he has for them. Uh, yeah, and with with the discipleship specifically, I think we learning by doing, like learning by getting your hands on the action is also another way, but obviously with supervision, right? Not just you going out and trying to do things in trial by error, but with supervision, you can have someone saying, okay, this was where you went right, and this is where you went wrong, so you can learn for next time, right? Exactly. Jesus never sent the disciples one by one. He sent them two by two to support mm-hmm. each other, to keep each other strong in the journey. So group activities are good. They're very beneficial. They're, they can help you maintain the, the level that you need to be at to get the job done right. Uh, Definitely. And I don't think that we should ever feel like we're alone in this race or in this journey because it can feel like that sometimes where you're, there's so much on your plate that you feel needs to get done and you don't see other people doing it. So you can feel yeah. overwhelmed. But understand there is a body of Christ. There are other people on this journey with you. 100%. So is there any, anything else that you feel like stands out when it comes to go, you know, going into ministry or being in ministry, especially as a young person? I would say, don't rush it. And I know that I said don't rush it. When I say don't rush it, it's like, obviously in terms of like you know serving and you know helping people definitely. But I remember I was actually having this conversation with my disciple like last week. I said to him, I was like, you know what? I feel like after a few years now, I've realized that I probably entered into ministry a little bit too early. And the reason I said that, reason I said that is because I feel like I almost try to you know skip the process, you know. I was like, you know what, I feel like God has given me this gift to teach and I feel this fire in me. Let me just go and just hop into it. And I kind of hopped into it. And along the way, I made many mistakes and I had many issues that I you know, struggled with. But then now looking back at it, I was like, you know what, I could have waited a little bit more longer to learn and to grow and to be discipled and to, you know, kind of just, yeah, just learn more. So sometimes don't be too eager to hop into something without you know, taking a step back and be like, okay, let me learn. But obviously there's time for everything on the sun, you know, and sometimes, especially as young people, and we're, we're very, you know, here and now, we don't like to wait. We live in a microwave generation where it's, I feel it now, I need to go now, I need to go now, I need to go now. Obviously, yes, there's times where, you know, you move quick, but one thing I would say is take your time to learn. You don't always have to, you know, pop in it quick, you know. There is a season for everything. And one thing I would say is, the wilderness season is so, so important. The wilderness season, what I refer to is before, if you notice in the Bible, before God was to call anybody or propel them into their destiny, they always had to go to a, through a season of just like learning and growing. Um, I always use the example of David. When we look at David versus Goliath, when David slayed Goliath, it didn't start there. Before that, it started with him in the secret place taking care of the sheep. When he said, when he came against Goliath, he said, you know what? He said, I've killed lions and I've killed bears with my bare hand. Who's this, you know, um, uncircumcised Philistine to me? What he was saying is, listen, before I even come against Goliath, I've been dealing with lions and bears while taking care of sheep. So this giant ain't nothing to me. Before Jesus 
you know, propelled into his three years of just, you know, ministry, he spent 30 day, the first 30 years learning and learning. And he went 40 days in the, in the um, wilderness fasting and praying. And also, it's not a coincidence that they have these moments of learning and kind of isolation and growing before they move into the next level. So sometimes we're very quick. Let me just get to level two without completing level one. So, yeah, I just play. Sometimes just don't rush it. You know, ask yourself, what is there a process I have to go through here? Or am I just doing this because, you know, I feel like I need this platform quick? Yeah, I get you. Like Moses was 80 before God decided to use him to free the Israelites out of, Israelites out of Egypt. Even though he was he was born, that was his duty from birth. Like this is going to be the savior for Israel, like out of Egypt. And yet he was spent 40 years in the palace. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, you know, and then at 80 God called him and says, "All right, now it's time to go and call my people out of Egypt." You know, sometimes your journey, you don't know how long God's going to get you in the preparation time period before he calls you into full-time ministry. So definitely, just because you're young doesn't mean you have to rush into it. Like, definitely when you're strong, you can do more. Like, when you're physically able, you can do more. But use this time to help other people, especially in their ministries. It's not the time for you to try and start your own ministry unless God is calling you specifically to do that. But you don't necessarily have to start your own ministry by name, brand, or anything like that. Yeah. You can definitely start by being under somebody else, helping them. Joshua did not start off as ruler of, of Israel. He was definitely under Moses before yeah. he got called in. Did I say Abraham first? I meant to say Moses back in the Egypt-Israel story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, follow the process, follow the process of exactly. being under someone and then going in. It just, and even with yeah. that, yeah. And even with that, I feel like a lot of the issue sometimes is a lot of people are so busy looking at somebody else's ministry. And like, I feel mm. one of the reasons why people rush into it is they look at someone with a platform, right? They yeah. look at someone who has all these followers on Instagram, whatever, and they're doing big things and they have, you know, this YouTube channel where they're preaching the gospel and and sometimes people look at it and they're like, I want to get that. It's, it's like, it's no longer about the serving people. It's about the, I remember I said the statement before, I was joking, but I kind of mean it's like, sometimes people actually use Jesus for clout. True. You know, sometimes people want to hop on this trend of, look at me, I'm I'm such a good preacher. Look at me, I have a YouTube channel where I teach about God and I have this ministry when I do this. Whereas like, it's not about look at you. It should be about, I'm just here to serve. And sometimes when we see people who, are in a position or, or in the limelight there's something in us where it's like you know I, I want to do that too if they can do that i can do that and then now we put ourselves in a position where god hasn't called us to be in because we want to compete with this other person so like listen they have their own journey they have their own race to run you have your own journey you have your own race to run so it's like listen focus on what god has called you to do and don't look at okay but look what this person is doing Listen, forget what they're doing. What does God want you to do? So exactly. definitely, like, don't look at somebody else's journey. Look at yours. True, yeah. It's like, I think Jesus had a conversation with uh, Peter at the, when he came back. It's at the end of Luke, right? And Jesus was kind of telling Peter, here, this is what you're going to go through after I'm gone. And there's going to be this amount of suffering. You're going to be hungry on a cross. You're going to so many things. And he was like, but what about John? What's John good? What's happening to John? And Jesus was like, if I want him to stay alive until I come back, that is none of your concern. Focus exactly. on your journey. Yeah, focus on your journey. Like his, his whatever he does isn't affecting you. 
you need to focus on your journey. So let's not compare ourselves with other people, especially people who do a completely different function in the body of Christ, right? Don't let the eye shouldn't compete with the foot as to, Mm. oh, look at what I'm doing. Look at the benefits I bring to the body. We all bring some form of benefit. So definitely look at your role and play your role to the best of your ability. 100%. Listen, it was amazing having you here, having this discussion with you. I feel like it's a discussion that needs to happen. People need to know the ins and outs, the backgrounds of being a young person in ministry. It's not as complex as you think it is, guys. Like, <laughs> it, it's, I, I feel like yeah. it's definitely more like it's I, I remember I used to always make the statement where oh I have my personal life that I have. but I remember like I had to scratch that because my personal life should be managed like it's uh, sometimes we, we try so hard to differentiate between oh this is me outside of ministry this is me in ministry but like ministry should just be a result of my day to day living True. my day to day serving Christ it should be it's part of who I am like I don't I don't I no longer differentiate that it's this is who I am because I'm just trying to follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, it results in me doing this and doing that. And that's what it is. I would just say, like, it definitely is a conversation that has to be had. And I don't think a lot of people talk about it. I feel sometimes we think, you know, young people, we, we're too young to serve. But I don't know if it's in Ecclesiastic, it says, do not despise the days of little beginnings. Like, in these times when we have, when we're young and we have all the energy, this is what we should be doing the most, you know? So, yeah, for sure. It's definitely it. I do appreciate you bringing me on. And it's definitely a great conversation that, Needs to be had a lot more. Yeah, for sure. And uh, where? What's your ministry? It's in Dublin, right? The youth group that you do. Yeah. So basically, my church is Potter's House Christian Church Dublin, and in the church we have our youth fellowship, which is the Kingdom Seekers Youth Fellowship. So that's just a little youth fellowship we have there every Friday. And so, if people wanted to attend, where where would they go? So obviously, due to lockdown right now, normally it's in the Academy Plaza Hotel, which is in Dublin One. But obviously, due to lockdown, we can't really do it. But we're actually still having it on Instagram. So our Instagram page is Kingdom Seekers underscore PhD. So we have our Instagram um, lives every Friday. Um. So yeah, we kind of have the fellowship on there for now. But after lockdown is finished, we'll be back in the Academy Plaza Hotel, Dublin One. Yeah, I've been there too. It's really great. I'll, I would love to come down there more, but obviously, I live a few hours away. It, it, it's definitely powerful like you feel like you're in a room full of people your age group your level and you get to fellowship with god without the constraints of like an actual church service so definitely check it out if you're in the area if you know about it definitely check that place out do appreciate you man yeah all right this has been your boy daniel indio and jj <laughs> we'll see you guys next time in the next episode peace out Peace out.